0: You're listening to the Rua Space Podcast. Hello friends and welcome to the Rua Space Podcast, where we help you make space for the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your everyday lives. I'm Phil.
1: And I'm Erin.
0: And we are in the final week of our Exploring Revelation Bible Study series here on the podcast. So We're going to be in chapters 10 and 11-ish today, but for those of you who know the book of Revelation, this is only like halfway through. So what we are going to be doing, as Lent now has arrived, is we're moving on to a new series on the podcast, but we are going to finish the Book of Revelation over the course of a few episodes over on Patreon. So if you want to continue this with us, go head over to Patreon. You can find the link at the uh, below in the description, and also get access to some really cool guided practices that go along with the Book of Revelation, some meditation, some prayers, um, and go f- deeper with us there, as well as gain access to all kinds of other exclusive content. So that is our pitch for Patreon. Let's jump into Revelation.
1: So I wanted to start with Revelation 10 with this tiny little scroll that comes out. We've had uh, these big scrolls have come out and there's been a lot of death and destruction and scary imagery so far. And now we've got this little scroll that's given to the prophet John and he's supposed to eat it. And we hear that it's supposed to be sweet as honey in his mouth. And then when he eats it, it's going to be bitter in his stomach. And I just think it's an interesting place to start because um, my Bible here makes the analogy that it's very much like God's word. There's God's sweetness where his love, his mercy, his grace that we like to reflect on. But there's also a bitterness where you have God's wrath, God's anger and judgment and This one scroll has both parts symbolizing Mm -hmm. like the two sides that can be seen of God's word throughout all of scripture. We're constantly seeing God's justice, God's mercy bouncing back and forth. And I think it's an interesting place to start today because I think in our church today, um, and this isn't an issue you see addressed in one of those five churches, but I think it is commonly experienced amongst us that we either hear of God as sweet or God as bitter and the duality of god encompassing justice and mercy there's there's both the sweetness and the bitter when we think of god but that's a profoundly beautiful place to start and so i i don't know that just is what hit me from straight off this little scroll that's both bitter and sweet that god's words you know when we see that in revelation here they they can be very bitter they can cast judgment on our lives and on choices we've made they can make us realize things we would rather not see they can bring to light stuff that we'd rather stay in the darkness but there's also a grace and a mercy to god that he's not giving us the book of revelation like we've talked about in almost every episode the book of revelation isn't coming to us as a judgment that just leaves us condemned but as an invitation Um, there's this grace to say I've died for you. You don't have to live this way. If you see yourself in this story, you can repent and come follow me and I will love on you and I will extend my mercy to you and I will protect you and guard you and keep you as one of my beloved.
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, that's why I think it is both bitter to him and sweet, because, again, putting it into the lenses of the seven churches You know, what comes right after that is the story of the two witnesses. Mm -hmm. And it very specifically tells us that these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. Well, if you remember back to our earlier episodes, what are the seven lampstands before Jesus? They are the churches. Mm -hmm. So John is very specifically here saying before the Lord are seven lampstands and the two of them that stand before him are the two churches. So the two witnesses, rather than being some two future individuals one time, are those churches. And I think what is both sweet and bitter about this word is that this is the end. So for anyone who reads, and we talked about this a little bit last week, revelation is linear. This this is the end. Like it says in verse um, 15, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he will reign forever and ever. Like this is it.
1: Mm-hmm. No, of so course. We, go, we also said in last episode it is cyclical, so do not uh, undermine. But if you were to read it linearly, right. this would it would, be it would the work, ending, right? Because
0: then John ramps up again to give us these images again, back to heaven again, and such. But what the reason I think it's bitter and sweet is these are the two churches that are being faithful, the ones who aren't wealthy, that aren't powerful, that haven't joined in the system and the empire. And the sweetness is that even though they get killed here, they resurrect. That even though they're being persecuted and harmed, we know that God wins in the end. That heaven becomes a reality here on earth. And just a small note before going back to that is in verse 17, it says, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was. And what's missing?
1: Who is to come come
0: because he has come. Like it is now eternity. God just is. There isn't this future like hope because it's arrived. The hope mm. has come. But it's bitter because for those churches that are on the five end of things, they are the ones participating in the murder of these churches.
1: And we don't like to think about that, do
0: we? No. And so this is a hard word to swallow because, and I was just having a conversation with someone about this the other day, you know, in in reintroducing Revelation, the book, we talk about a reverse rapture, that it's not, the the image in scripture is not of, Uh, unbelievers staying on earth while believers are taken away somewhere all the images are about the kingdom coming here and who doesn't stay the ones who don't want to be a part of that kingdom and that is I i was talking to someone the other day and they said that's really hard because you might have to watch a family member or a loved one walk away and leave because they don't want to be a part of it. Yeah. And 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 that's hard. And of course, we're now getting into eschatology and salvation and all these much larger questions about God's mercy and grace. But it, it's painful because for the churches that seek their comfort and security in the violence and military of the empire of the day, of the, whether it's the Roman Empire or a first world country today, or have found their safety and security and money or their job and are persecuting or oppressing others, whether they can see it or not, this is hard because it is telling them The end is coming and you've chosen the wrong side. And that doesn't mean they can't repent, right? But Mm -hmm. it's almost like, I think it's C.S. Lewis says, the the door to hell is locked on the inside. Mm. It's not like they're locked in, it's locked on the inside. Because in order to come to heaven, you've got to come to the table where everybody is there. And you're no longer more powerful or more important or more safe or secure or wealthy. Like people who look different than you and think different, you are, are there. And there's a seat there for you and mm-hmm. you're absolutely welcome. But some people walk away. And I think that's the image here of, of the hard thing. And I mean, if we want to go to another level, it's also hard for those two churches who are faithful. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about this as being encouraging to them. But I've got to tell you, if the word is, hey, yeah, you're you're in heaven, you're going to resurrect. But first, you're going to get murdered. Well, that's a little bittersweet because I've got to tell you, the, hard, the hurt part
1: still hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody for sure wants this. And I think, you know, when I look at the, you know, chapter 11 with these two witnesses, again, pointing out, it specifically says the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. So again, we're talking about those two faithful churches. And what, what is beautiful is that their story mirrors that of Christ, Mm-hmm. So for three and a half... Well, and the
0: prophets that came before them. And right. So they're many.
1: they they're killed. And for three and a half days, they're dead. And they're gloated over. And people rejoice because they conquered these last two. And of
0: course, three and a half being symbolic of a time of trial.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. And then after those three and a half days, the breath from, of life from God enters them. They stand on their feet and they live once more. And you see in that the resurrection story of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another story that is very bittersweet. It, it's that bitterness because we have to own the fact that when the Messiah walked the earth, we crucified him. Mm-hmm. And every day when we make choices against that, those of Christ's ways... We are crucifying him. We're against Christ. And the sweet part being he conquers it. And, and so once again, we can be it, forgiven. it really makes you... I Friends, if you haven't yet in the book of Revelation, to sit with yourself with this. It is uncomfortable and ugly. But I think we need to come to terms with where we are in the story. Because... What I can tell you is, you know, as we're recording, um, we're in the midst of this COVID pandemic still, and it is so tempting to look for our answer to the solution for this particular problem in ourselves and in our indestructibility, in our money, our money, what, how our money can protect and save us, in our government, what political party is going to have our best interests and save the day. It is very very tempting to put our hope and our faith in different facets of our culture, and yet none of those can save us. And that's where we have to reconcile. When we are in times of suffering, times of trial, it is only by looking to God and Christ that we can have any hope of salvation. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't like the witnesses here. They they do die. So mm-hmm. placing our hope in Christ jesus doesn't mean that we will be spared from hardship or that god will magically make things work out the way we wish them to although that can happen that's not the promise the promise is that when all is said and done those of us who are faithful with christ get to live eternally with god and his kingdom
0: well and i think and i think in addition to that 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 promise of the time to come is absolutely vital Mm -hmm. but the description here is also of great power that they have now Mm. and i don't know that we're literally going to breathe fire right or shut up the sky so it doesn't rain but there's a sense in which they're saying true power in the world is not in the one with the biggest guns or the most money or the most followers online right Mm -hmm. the most influence is not what actually yields the most power The most powerful thing in the world is someone who's willing to forgive their enemies, lay down their life for another, you know, live self-sacrificial love, not looking to, well, can I buy this even though it's the cheapest thing and it might hurt someone in another part of the world or not be good for the environment? Like, it's the people who say, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go the extra step to make sure it's just and good for all. Or I'm not going to go along with this system or this thing. You know, there's a million implications of it. Mm -hmm. You may feel like you lose all influence in the world. You may feel like no difference is being made, that no one's seeing or hearing you, that you're the outcast. And what this passage is saying is, no, it's those two churches. They're actually having the greatest testimony for God and for goodness and for peace and for truth. Mm. And we may not see it in human terms, but they actually have the most power because it's not their power at all. Mm-hmm. It's God's power.
1: And I I would suppose that this is part of why John, in this chapter, after the witnesses, which is just heart-wrenching, he ends the chapter with another throne room scene. Yep. So you've got back to the ending here where the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Then the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, singing, we give thanks to Lord God Almighty, who are and who were, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath has come in the time for judging the dead, for rewarding your servants, the <laughs> prophets and saints and all who fear your name, both small and great and for destroying those who destroy the earth what power you know if you were teetering on the verge of do i really want this because i don't like the outcome of those two witnesses no human willingly tries to get into those situations Mm. i believe it's against our nature and that's why we're given this thing of beauty this gem at the end to say but remember this is the eternal picture. This is the truth of what's going on. Despite what storms are raging here and what may befall you, God ends up on the throne of the world. God is victorious over everything and it will all be reconciled Mm. in the end.
0: I think that's a good spot to end. There's no better hope than that, right? I mean, our hope is that this is the end. This is the last page, the last page of the Bible. The last page of our story is that good wins in the end. Mm -hmm. And it may seem like all around us, it's losing. And so what's the point? Join in. Who cares? But God is the one who was, is, and is to come. And we're promised that even in our weakness, we're strong because of God. That even in our seeming lack of influence, we have an amazing testimony in Christ. And that Even if we're pushed out forever, even if we're killed, even if we suffer, we know that for eternity, God has already claimed the victory where there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. That is the final page. And we get to anticipate and live in light of that now. Mm -hmm. It's not just something we wait for. We get glimpses of it today when we love and serve our neighbor, Mm -hmm. when we care about those no one cares about, when we give voice to those who our voice has been taken away, like We get those glimpses Mm -hmm. here and now. And I think that's the invitation of this is to say, be those witnesses to that reality here right now. Mm -hmm.
1: Beautiful. Well, and of course, friends, this concludes our uh, podcast Bible study of the book of Revelation. There will be
0: another episode next week, but not on Revelation.
1: Right. (laughs) But of course, the book of Revelation continues. And the next part of the story delves into the woman and the dragon and all kinds of really fantastic imagery (laughs) that once again has a deep historical context and also tremendous rich application for our life here now today. So if you aren't already on Patreon supporting this ministry, um, if you have any urge to find out what the rest of the book of Revelation holds, I strongly encourage you to head over to Patreon. The link will be in the show notes below. You can also go to ruaspace.com And we've got our Patreon link right there on our homepage. Patreon's a way that you are able to support our ministry. And we also like to do uh, blessings like these for our Patreon members as a thank you. So we hope to see you there for the rest of this Bible study on the book of Revelation. We're so glad that you are here with us so far and hope it has been a great blessing to you. Grace and peace.